The queen of Hollywood, is she now Heartland royalty? Amanda Milius, the one and definitely only, joins us right now. I'm James Polis, welcome to Zero Hour. Amanda Milius joins us now. She directed and produced the most watched documentary of 2020. Remember that year? It was The Plot Against the President. Watch it if you haven't already. She also worked in the Trump administration after an extensive career in the L.A. film industry. Amanda, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am also great. It's My great to be great in 2024. Yes, it's yeah. good to be great in 2024. Are you spending any time in Hollywood anymore? Is it dead? I... Is it over? Well, okay, weirdly, I actually have been spending more time in L.A., and I am usually the person that is the most blackpilled on L.A. in general, but um, I've been visiting the parents a lot just because they're older and I need to go out there a lot more. I've been doing more meetings out there, and um, I actually am starting to get a little bit convinced that there's a bit of a scene out there. Um, some people are convincing me, some of our friends. Be still my heart. I mean, I guess I have to say I believe. I mean, some of the stuff that Alec, uh, a.k.a. Filthy Armenian, is putting together some of the events that he's put together, Delicious Tacos. I'm referencing a lot of Twitter names right now, so if people aren't as... Very esoteric. ...aren't completely online as I am, they may not know what I'm talking about, but um, uh, Alec did an event... Uh, right after Christmas with uh, Ben Braddock and a couple of other people, the Perfume Nationalist, and like they're developing like more of a scene for our people. I don't know if folks will understand what our people means. X.com IRL, basically. Right. Yes. Yeah, and okay. it, I, I'm convinced, I'm convinced. I mean, I was supposed to join one of them. I couldn't because family stuff, but um, I, uh, I'm still being told that there's a budding um, little revolutionary cell happening out there, so. Well, California is certainly uh, still fertile ground for revolutionary cells, but what about Hollywood? Do you watch anything? Do you listen to anything? Do you care? I, um, I feel like I've gotten over my um, distaste for any everything mainstream, and I'm actually kind of absorbing just some classics, like, the fact that they're doing, you know, they're promoted the 25-year anniversary of The Sopranos. Like, I'm re-watching that because I think I was too young to really get how Americana it was. Like, what an amazing, like, capsule of, like, the American man that that show was. Maybe the last one, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, then you, have, you get Mad day, Men. I, I mean, yeah. and let's not forget, then HBO did Rome. Sure, so but those, that was ancient we, history. We can't, we can't forget that. Perfect show. No because, offense to Rome. Of I mean, no offense to Rome. No. If we're going to go not, talk not about in this house. Italian shows, not in this house, That's Italian right. shows. But uh, Sopranos was very current. It was contemporary. Right. And it just, I'm realizing watching it again, how what a like astute commentary it was and how relevant it is now. Mm -hmm. it's, I, so I'm like kind of getting into some stuff like that, like rewatching some classics, I guess of like, I don't mean, you could call that a classic at this point, I don't know, but um, as far as what's happening now, like what what's coming out now, um, we talked about this like a tiny bit before, but like the show that I was stunned by that I think the right would appreciate if they can manage the cringe, if they can get through it, is The Curse, um, which Emma, is- a, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Um, Benny well, from uh, from Oppenheimer. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and uh, Nathan. Yeah, it's such a biting critique of I hate to use the old term, but here we go of woke culture and everything that the left stands for, um, and the fact that it came from Hollywood, like that is as mainstream as it gets. So Emma Stone, she's married, production company with with the hubby. Yeah, and, and they, 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 they make did those this. houses. They make yeah, these they, like like 
uh, like all green houses that don't uh, that don't produce any like carbon or something, and they're mirrored. The houses are mirrored, which are like that's not an architectural idea, and she has to like be basically humbled by the fact that she's not the first to come up. It's just. Every detail of it, like this the, is the plot yeah. of, of The Curse, which yeah. is the name of the series. Yes, to, and yeah. it has magical realism in it as well, because like there is an actual curse, and like there's it, it's it's so interesting and new, and as I said, a biting criticism. Now, I'm not sure if they did that on I mean, I, they have to have done it on purpose because it's so in your face and hilarious. Just that, sending up sort of woke woke whites on the on the take oh, on the make. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it is hilarious. Like if you can get into the vibe and the cringe doesn't like hurt you for an hour, like it's absolutely hilarious and and shocking and stunning and new and a very incredible criticism of everything that those characters represent. Well, Emma Stone definitely having a stonisance. I don't know if you saw Poor Things. I'm I'm a little leery, uh, but she's out there. She's she's actually acting, which is which is good for her. I yeah. mean, actually doing acting. I mean, how long has it Imagine. been since we've seen that? Right, an acting actor who acts. An acting actor who acts. Yeah. 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 All right. So, but you spend most of your time in the East Coast. How's how's that side of the country? Um, I okay. So there, I am pretty black pilled. Um, don't recommend living in DC. Uh, don't recommend getting stuck there after an administration. Do not recommend. Um, all the, all the chain link fences are still up and everything, right? It's basically just a little police state. I mean, it's horrifying. There was just recently a shooting, a carjacking and a shooting where an ex Trump administration member was killed. Um, somebody I didn't run into a lot, but I knew, I mean, it's really stunning and like, uh, unbelievable that these things are happening at that point. But I think when um, I think a lot of people misinterpreted one of Trump's recent um, truths, tweets, whatever. Um, I'm going to get in trouble for having said like, conf you know, confuse the two. But you know what I mean? Um, so uh, when he was like, no, let the FBI stay in D.C., like they ought to have like a, you know, and how he exaggerates a big, beautiful building in Washington, D.C. and be stuck in their own, you know, like prison city that they've made, essentially. Um, and I think a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, Donald Trump just advocated for the FBI to get a big, beautiful building. And I'm kind of like, no, he was basically telling them to get a big, beautiful tent, you know? Like, get the best tent you can find and just, you you live with the filth. Go, go have fun with that. Big, I mean, beautiful the crime, tents are huge out there. The, the be very, big, very beautiful welcome. tents come from somewhere. Yeah. And they're all over the place. Um, so I'm definitely more fond of uh, our beloved Dallas. Um, I am a big fan of uh, moving to a red state. I think that that concept amongst our our folks is a good idea. I think as we see the... Um, you know, Biden administration fighting with uh, with Texas over the border. I mean, I think it's like voting with your feet is becoming more and more of a uh, important thing to do, whether that's Florida, whether that's Texas, whatever, whether that's like, you know, Montana, uh, Wyoming, like fine. Uh, just get out of the cities. I got to uh, borrow that from Jack Posobiec, but um, get out of the cities. Um, I hate to say that to you. I'm sorry, but no, it's not. I mean, I, if everyone gets out of the cities, they're just going to start new cities. Yeah, but I mean, Dallas has got kind of a great mix of everything because it's got like all of the things that you could possibly want from a metropolitan city. Like I can have all the girly nonsense. Like there's all, you know, they, this is the first place that they had a Neiman Marcus. I mean, what more yeah. could I ask for? Well, it doesn't feel like performatively right, right, right wing or, or and, whatever. And not performatively emulating LA like right. Austin does. No, it's its own thing. It's its own thing. As is Texas, of course. Yes, which I mean, I Houston, love. a gigantic, you know, this is an enormous metropolis. It's, it's pretty purple and, uh, and right. life goes on. Purple, I'll take because I've been either stuck in Los Angeles or Washington, D.C. So at this point, reddish purple is fine for yeah. me. Like, I feel fine. As long as I'm not the first Republican anyone's ever met, like, that's good. I just don't want that look of shock and horror at, you know, when you introduce yourself to someone new and it's like, okay, these are my politics. Like, I just, that, I can't do that. That's the reason I can't do LA is because it's still kind of that way. I mean, like we said, maybe there's hope. But do you think there's kind of a nostalgia for, for purple America of yore? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because why not? I mean, really, when you get down to talking to people, I hate to be this, like, leave it to me to have a bland opinion. But uh, that's it's its own kind of rare. But yeah, people generally, like, agree on basic things. At least maybe I'm spoiled because I have good friends. But, like, I just think, yeah, there is a nostalgia for that of, like, not having to be at each other's throats all the time. And so I do enjoy a purple city. Um uh, you know, there's an arts district, there's beautiful things, there's beautiful buildings. It's also a classic city. It's been here forever. It's like, I mean, I just certainly don't want to be in New York, certainly don't want to be in Washington, D.C., uh, unless, you know, the miracle happens and we win and they offer me the exact specific job that I will take, which is like totally not going to happen. Um, hey, low odds on, on your return to Washington? I would say so. Um, there's one job that I would take. What is it? I will only uh, accept the position of um, White House sports coordinator, which is a job I invented in my mind. Um, and it's the person who interacts with the professional and college sports teams that come to visit the White House, you know, for those. Remember when Trump served hamburgers, oh, the burgers and all the was whole great. thing? One of the best photo yeah. ops of the whole thing. So I would like to arrange those visits and nothing more. Okay. And I would also like the top salary for that position. I don't know. It sounds great. Yeah. You think Trump's coming back? Can you do it? I I remain hopeful. I actually think so. I have to I have to say it. I have to will it into existence. I sort of feel like there's a scenario where it's like let's ruin everything for real this time and then like give it to Donald and laugh. I mean, I are are we not at that point? Pretty close? I, I mean, do you really The ruination is is trending. Closer? Like I'm I'm feeling like it's Pretty ruined. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah. But he seems willing to step in again. Yes. No matter how bad it gets. And no matter how persecuted he is. I mean, you know, obviously I'm partial to this where I think a lot of people may be um, getting Trump prosecution fatigue, but I remain attached to this story and this and and everything that happens to him because obviously beginning with Russiagate, it was my obsession for, you know, the two years that it took to make Plot Against the President. Um, and I see the through line that they're just throwing everything in the kitchen sink against him. I mean, it's just pure lawfare. So just out of that alone, I have to root for and support him. Um, and having been in the administration, I do think it's possible that lessons were learned and things will be different. I have to, I have to tell myself that or uh, I can't sleep at night. So I don't know how true that is. I don't know how many of the lessons were learned. And like, I've been one of the more vocal people on the hiring mistakes that happened in the last administration. But um, I, I just, I, I can't imagine, I, I don't know how you, there could be worse mistakes made. Are there really worse people out there than some of the people that were hired in that administration? Let's find out. Let's find out. I guess we'll find out together, won't we? It's like we? a reality TV show. It is. It's like, it's like the evil apprentice. It's like the apprentice versus the deep state. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Well, I mean, really, Trump ball is like the biggest sport in America still. It is. Never stopped. And I like sports. Yeah. I'm like one of the only people. Um, I know you like I, watch the watch the the, the sporting events. And I like watch a wear lot of the jerseys and, and like go to the, the games. Do you go to the games? I go to the games when I'm in Los Angeles because I remain loyal to my city of my home, uh, my initial home. Uh, so I'm a very West Coast Los Angeles team uh, fan, which has not been great this year. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the Clippers are actually looking pretty good. Uh, my my followers on Twitter absolutely hate it when it's basketball season because they will not accept that I will not put the basketball down. Um, but I just find it to be the only place you can go for no politics. Um, it's just still? yeah, still. I, I think it's actually waned. I think that at least the NBA learned their lesson and they're not shoving it in their your face anymore. I mean, you're still gonna get your Black History Month shirts and like you're like whatever, but they're not painting stuff on the court anymore. They pivoted to Taylor. Uh, well, that's the NFL, and yeah. that is just as nauseating. Um, I mean, the NFL, after the uh, Buffalo Bills lost, I was just, um, I was practically 
of the mind of Vincent Gallo in Buffalo 66. Everyone was sharing that <laughs> meme. It was really crazy because it was very predictive. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you've seen the film. I have seen it. I saw it in an art house theater in London in 1999. And the, the projection screen was about this big. And uh, it was fitting, you know? Yeah, that's uh, Jonathan a beautiful Jonathan Rice Myers was like it. sitting outside on the curb, just like smoking a, a parliament. Really? Yeah, it was a real moment. How you know? cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. But, you know, then I saw the film and I sort of staggered out and thought like, that was, that was sad. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, but and the it's bills a beautiful are living up, film. Living up to the film still. I mean, yeah. how it's like prophetic. Yeah. So that was interesting. And I mean, yeah, I, I find sports to be a very relaxing outlet for not watching the news. And I, having worked in politics for the last, what, like seven years at this point, because I joined the administration, I joined the campaign in like early 2016. Um, I mean, that, I need a break. So I'm happy to be back in like, you know, film world, uh, creative world, and to unplug from all of that with a game or two. Like, sorry, my followers, but that's, you know, that's what I do. I love it. I love to hear it. I'm not going to let you off on the Taylor Swift question. I need No, it's not. It's, it's awful. Take. It's, oh, it's awful. It's crazy. I, I can't imagine for like, uh, I'm not a, uh, traditionally, I'm not a big NFL person, especially since my team this year, I have to admit, was the Chargers. So um, yeah, we didn't, wasn't a great year for me with the NFL. Charge it to the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, um, but I can imagine as an NFL fan how annoying that would be. Like if every time, uh, you know, somebody scored, they like cut to the guy's girlfriend, that would just be like the most annoying thing in the world. I mean, if uh, they, they did that for a minute with Steph Curry and his wife, like because yeah. the wife and the baby became like this like side story. And that was annoying enough. But they were actually married and like. It's like supposed to be some great thing that like Steph is like not ha doesn't have like ten baby mamas like Very I guess exotic. we're supposed to like like applaud this. I mean that's yeah. supposed to be normal, but every um, series needs a good B story. Right? And uh, the, the Taylor Swift story, I'm so not a fan, and I'm so not like that. Her, the Kelsey character is so unappealing with his like you know Mr. Pfizer thing. It's just such a globalist blah. Like yeah. I don't love it. No. They kept cutting to Taylor at the Grammys, too. Did and they made that? a joke about that, where they were yeah. like, we're cutting to Taylor more often than the NFL or less often than the NFL or something like that. They made a joke about it. I don't it. know I if don't she know. sat I, down for the whole Grammys. I couldn't make it through the Grammys. Did you see the Tracy Chapman renaissance? I heard about it. I did not. I was like... I basically asked some friends, I was like, should I actually sit down and watch this? And basically everyone, and they were my LA friends, were like, no, it's terrible. Just don't watch it. Like, it's. Oh, I don't know if it was terrible. Really? I mean, there, there were like a lot, there's a lot of enthusiasm. I've actually been like, I'm trying to care more about like. Uh, award like shows? Award shows. Really? Like sports. Like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, entertainment, sports, these things are just as affected by technological and spiritual True. stuff as the rest True. of life. And yeah. that's what this show is nominally all about and yeah. so so I am caring uh, and there were a lot of takes you know you didn't have to watch it live you could catch it all on X the, uh, yeah, the morning after I will do that um, and you know it was uh, it was it was uh, well um, well executed and really sort of just a layup you know uh, obviously the song came running back in cover form and now the original is charting again and Tracy Chapman is like this is so crazy and it's you know it's pretty cute yeah um but, uh, you know, there was, there was really just sort of like talking about this nostalgia for Purple America. Like, this is America. It's like the, the young white guy and like the black lady. <laughs> and they're just like literally in harmony. And it's it, you know, they, it's the yearning, you know, the yearning was really intense. And uh, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if any performance at the Grammys could ever be as good as people wanted that one to be. Uh, huh. But it was okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm convinced. It's worth, worth a watch. I'm as convinced as I'm convinced there's a scene worth going to in L.A. There's an old saying, good men create good times. Well, the same is true of business. Good people are the bedrock of a successful enterprise. Unfortunately, today hiring is bleak. Political demands, petty entitlement, open incompetence, or sheer cowardice. They're commonplace now. You need people who are keen to join your business and have the chops to make it a success. 
That's why Newfounding has created a network of high-grade professionals ready to join grounded American businesses and get to work. These are individuals from elite organizations ready for a team and a mission that supports their values instead of working against them. Aligned companies are using the new funding network to hire those high trust, supercharged individuals who match culture and mission to make their teams go. Apply for access to the new founding talent network at newfounding.com backslash talent. You'll get connected with the candidates who will build up your business. That's newfounding.com backslash talent. I'm friends with a with a, a very in demand and very seasoned uh, like like mixing board guy sound guy, and uh, interesting. Yeah, he's Scottish. He's a hoot. And um, one of his uh, pearls of wisdom is that contrary to popular belief, it's not the vocals that make a song a hit. It is the music and sort of how the arrangement works and what the cues are and what the hooks are sure. that really just jam it into your brain. And so for all of the um, you know, I'm certainly not here to rain on Tracy Chapman's parade. Far from it, but people were, you know, really celebrating kind of these two vocal performances during the the show. And uh, it's not the vocals; it's that little acoustic guitar lick, right? And like that is just—it was sitting there waiting to be discovered, and she just like dug it up, and there it was. And it still sounds as fresh and as catchy, whatever it's been thirty-six years. Okay, you've convinced later. me. Yeah. I'm convinced. And so, you know, but that's the thing is like, you don't have to, it, it doesn't rise to the level of some majestic performance. This is an opera. You just have to like have that ear for the It's just a cool moment. It's having the ear for that melody and being able to deliver that melody uh, lifts the song up to a place that is, uh, you know, it's hard to get a song up to that level. And when you listen to the lyrics, this is an incredibly like depressing song about just like the terribleness of having a family that's falling apart and like a like a depressed small town and you know well at least i can just get in this fast car and kind of like at least feel like i am somebody for a brief moment with with somebody and uh i guess that could be heartwarming depending on how you're looking at it but the that sort of like distillation of americans turning to like a machine to relieve them of like their yeah. spiritual pain yeah you know that's been a like purchasing sitting with me you know like well, and at cars least, at are least so you have a Americana. fast car. They are. Yeah. Um, but are we, you know, are we just trying to run away from our problems? Is that is that what America is? I mean, is? I think aren't we always? Isn't that what entertainment is? Isn't that what these award shows are? Isn't yeah. that why I watch sports? Isn't that everything? I mean, that's why we go to the movies, and that's why that stuff is so important. That's why I mean, we've always uh, gone off and agreed on the importance of culture to the general heart of a country or of a nation of of a civilization really um i mean this this is why art matters that's the thing that's the car we get to run away in um i i just yeah i agree i think that's it's i if what you're saying is true maybe we are turning back to a nostalgia of being able to enjoy art again because it's been a very long dry spell um and mainstream like big hollywood is certainly not delivering anything that offers um, that type of escape. I mean, even like, you know, the, whatever it is, uh, every two years, the uh, the uh, Scorsese movie that comes out or whatever, like really wasn't much of a big hit this year. Did wasn't, you see it? I did Killers not. Of the Flower Moon. I kind of skimmed. It's a bit of a mouthful, it's, that title. Yeah, I, I skimmed. I've, it's on the list of like, but I'm not like particularly, I'm certainly not as interested as I was in the last two. Um, the uh, the Al Pacino uh, one, the last one, which was um, him playing, um, what's his name? The um, the Irishman? Th well, that was- That was that De Niro. Was, that was great. But no, then we, we had the one where he plays the, um, oh God, this is going to be a brain moment. Um, one where he plays the guy that took up, that broke up all the unions or was in charge of all the unions and like constantly fighting against Kennedy. Hoffa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, and then even The Departed obviously is like a classic at mm -hmm. this point. Um, I suppose so. I don't know how I feel about that. Really? Well, it's just like, is it, has it really been that long? Oh, right. Well, I hate to tell you, <laughs> Please, no. I'm sorry, but like the Sopranos are at their 25th anniversary uh, and yeah. The Departed is now a classic. And now no one really remembers anything that happened before 1994. 
Yeah. Which is 30 years now. Which is shocking. It is shocking. Yeah, that's crazy. Because um, I still think of watching like 70s movies as like something that happened like, I don't know, like it, it, being in my parents' generation. I just think of it as like, that's just adults. That's, that generation was so like, dominant and so culturally just virtuoso. Yeah. That it's hard it's to hard. figure I, out where to go. After I that. still think it it reigns supreme. Well, I we've mean, seen it with music. I mean, they, they just, you know, I stay in hotels and if I'm staying for more than one night, you know, I kind of hear the same playlist every morning when I get my coffee and it's like, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's like Africa by Toto. And it's, totally. And, it, and, it's, and it's like, when you get caught between the... Mo-. And it's just like this weird haunting... It's wonderful. This haunting feeling of like these ghosts of a time when like music was so earnest and the songs were like so thoughtfully composed. And there was composed, so much of it. So many melodies. And it's just like, it's overwhelming to kind of just hear it floating in the distance as if it's It's the same thing as cinema at yeah. that time. I yeah. mean, do you know how packed those years were? Like when I even, I, you know, okay, so I'm going to look at obviously my dad's uh, run at the Oscars, which was for Apocalypse Now. But like when you see the movies that it was up against and the other movies that were um, being considered that yeah. year and everything, you're like, actually, I mean, what a year. I think it was like Deer Hunter was the same year. And um, like, I mean, it was just, you know, Michael Cimino was was doing tons of movies. And I mean, bless him. And uh his great work, and um, there was just so many great things coming out. I mean, my favorite thing, uh, not favorite favorite, but one of my favorites was the, obviously the the Paranoia trilogy by Alan Pakula, who's like totally not a name director that anybody has at the top of their head. There's like a, you know, he just did uh, the All the President's Men, Clute, and um, The Parallax View. And I mean, just stuff like that that wasn't even top billing films. Like was just, I mean, there was just so many phenomenal movies. It was everywhere, and in a in a time as paranoid as this one, you'd think that maybe there would be there a could be there too, yeah. some of that, mm-hmm. right? Like, where is that? I mean, I guess I I there it it looks like they're trying to like like mainstream Hollywood. I say as they like dip their toe into um, you know the things that are going on in the United States right now, and like the rifts and the um, conspiracies and things like that but uh, maybe with like the civil war movie we don't we will you know who knows what that's going to turn out to actually be and what that'll say i don't have great hopes for alex that. garland a british man doing a film about an american civil war yeah i, I'm I call not, shenanigans i'm not i'm not, I'm loving not it. convinced right yeah um you think and it's then, an irresponsible thing to do to make that movie probably Probably is. Haven't seen it, but, but I'm going to go Hollywood, with, Probably right? is. Probably is just going to be really, uh, I'm going to just, I'm going to be really surprised if the bad guys aren't just basically us and our friends. Um, mm. But. Uh, extra scary versions. Extra scary versions of, of like right-wing nice intellectuals. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, uh, Michael I mean, Anton's going to lead a crusade. 70s, the 80s, so much. The people really did think escape was going to save us. Mm-hmm. And now we know better. And now it's really hard to escape. Yeah, because there's, I mean, even when I try to log off, you know, and yeah. really just focus on work and just taking in, right, culture from a different mm-hmm. time period or just culture from now or whatever it is and, like, take that in instead of the endless, you know, input of Twitter, X, whatever, everything that's going on that you just the the trash content is has gone up so high that is something that i i don't care if i sound like uh you know um stuck in the mud about that but the trash content is taking up so much time um for everybody myself included that i have to like consciously log off um no i don't think you're being a stick in the mud i think there's a reason for this you know we have the internet now and the internet needs to be filled and it needs to be refilled always and so all content just kind of converges on this like quintessence of filler that Mm -hmm. is good enough to make people sort of click through and then it's kind of gone. Right, it's good enough for your 30 seconds. It's like, this is good enough for my 30 seconds of time and that just adds up and adds up. And then you add the fact that now we've got um, the news of the day, right? Actual world events, actual national events. They're reduced to content. Like this content word 
is is starting to make me kind of allergic. Discontented, if you will. Yes. Yes. Right. Like it's just everything is its content. Like everything is what can it provide for content. And you know, you see things like what happened in Israel, and you see things like um, just what's happening all over the world. I mean, uh, the uh, um, attacks at our own embassies and um, all of this stuff that's going on everywhere. I mean, mostly in the Middle East, but um, it's basically, it is only as important as the content that it's created that people can dive into and retweet and have an opinion about. Yeah. And then you've got your, you know, that's how you've got your entire world of sudden foreign policy experts and people making their pilgrimages to different countries and like reporting live from here. And you're like, you're not even, who are you? reporting live from wherever and having an opinion. And you're just like, who isn't at this point down on the ground somewhere reporting live from some horrific place and some horrific scene? It's just like gotten really out of control. That's that's one thing that I'm just kind of down on. I reporting would say. live on some random person, reporting live on some right. other random person, reporting on it's maybe it's just, just a big human going. centipede of yes. coverage. It is. It's yeah. a big human centipede of coverage. Of content. Of content. In the future, everyone can escape for 15 minutes. Yeah. That's all you get. That yeah. is becoming more and more of a thing. I mean, wow, is that becoming real. Yeah. yeah. Well, you probably see like the, the pre-roll in, in the AMC theaters where Nicole Kidman comes out in the sparkly pantsuit and talks about like, no, you guys, like we need movies. Yeah, and you, they're you need to sit still for like an hour and a half. Please. Can you believe that that's a thing that they yeah. have to plead with the audience to watch a movie in a theater when like I think of that as such a gift, like a movie I actually want to watch in a dark room with strangers is just an amazing experience. Like I have to agree with, you know, the Spielbergs and the Lucases of the world when they give they give these speeches at my old university at USC and uh, things like that where they talk about the importance of the theater experience. And I don't know that everyone agrees that that's, you know, I think the democratization of, of being able to make content is, is good in a sense because, you know, everyone in our, everyone and their mother has a, has a production company now, myself included, right? And yeah. I like my yeah. production company and I want my production company. And we're going to talk about that production company. Right. And like, I, we now. want all these things, but at the same time, like, I still have a very big place in my heart for something that's farther away, for something that's, like, untouchable, for the studio system, for, you know, MGM creating stars and, you know, Nicole Kidman in a sparkly outfit coming out and telling us you need to let go and suspend your, you know, suspend your disbelief for a moment and, like, actually give yourself over to the experience of watching cinema I mean, I just think based on how I was raised, I'm always going to think that that's the highest form of art. Although I gotta say, it's, it stabbed me a little uh, watching that that pre-roll for uh, you, you know I don't know the twelfth or thirteenth time, and now it's starting to get a standing O when it's when it's you know people are like yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, she goes, "Movies take us to a place we've never been before," and it flashes oh, on. God, like, Hollywood loves it itself. It flashes so much. on the the opening of the gates of Jurassic Park, and I'm like, what? "We've only been there, I think." 12 or 13 times to drink. That's actually... I know. So I, painful. Oh, so sad. man. Hollywood and really can't do anything right. And it made it through. Nobody caught it. Anything Probably right. because no one involved in the production of that pre-roll had ever seen a Jurassic Park film. I, my goodness. That's... Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, it is a little bit. I could think of a couple other ideas for what could have been behind those gates. But, yeah. um, you know... Yeah. Um, the we, Speaking of weird pre-rolls, okay, here's the one I loved the most... And I love the fact that Tom Cruise is the only person powerful enough to have actually been able to do this. But do you remember the pre-roll for the recent um, Top Gun where he basically said, you need to change the settings on your TV. Yeah. If you're at your parents' house, change them. This motion flow has got to stop. And if you're a film person or if you're involved in shooting films at all, everyone knows what I'm talking, you will know what I'm talking about, which is like this horrendous, like, 
um, naturally uh, put on your TV setting that makes everything look like it was, it's like a soap opera from like 1992. Oh, yeah. it's, it's like so, so realistic, it's fake looking. Right, it just yeah. is, it's just so off-putting. and It's, it's so, worse than pan and skin. It's, it is, and it's just automatically on most people's TV, and I was like, he's saying it. I was like, he's finally brought light to this issue. Like, I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one that thinks this is terrible. No, it's true. People think of Tom as just like Mr. Charisma, and yeah, like they're speaking of pre-roll, like uh, Mission Impossible, Hi, I'm Tom Cruise. I really enjoyed making this movie, and I hope it's that you enjoyed it too. But there's wild. this. But he's also like a technician. Yeah. And yes, like he did that one. Um, I was so excited. And then excited just the other day, one. I was reading about. Um, the, so they they'd finished shooting. I don't know if it was the most recent. I think the most recent um, uh, Mission Impossible, and uh, they were scoring it as you do. And uh, and they were testing it, and um, the audience was were sort of iffy on the uh on like the the final you know 20 or 30 minutes of the film and uh and they were thinking about like doing a re-edit or like reshoot maybe something that you don't want to do uh and tom watches it and he's like no no, no 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 you just have to like have the score build up all the way to the end like right now it seems like there are five endings because the music keeps going dun, dun, and then it has to go back down and build its way up i mean and he kind of knows he knows exactly what he's doing this is a guy who knows movies inside and I out. I mean, he really does. And he's been like, okay, I, there's uh, Peter, wait, wait, what's the guy on Twitter? Um, I gotta stop, I have to stop mentioning random Twitter so Your esoteric people. friends Sorry, are I, not I know. household names. They're not household names, right. Okay. Not yet, not yet. But um, I'm not the only one who thinks Tom Cruise might be the best actor alive. Yes. I mean, he gives his all to the stupidest roles. Like, he gives Oscar-worthy performances to absolutely dumb roles. I think that is really commendable. I think that's great. There was another awards ceremony uh, this week, I think, the Saturn Awards, uh, which, right, yeah, I was, I was also shrugging. Okay. Uh, Keanu Reeves got a, like a sort of, I don't know if it was Lifetime Achievement. That's like too frightening for me to, to connect <laughs> Keanu Reeves and Lifetime Achievement. Um, Nicolas Cage, you know, and he got up there and he gave like a great, like concise a tight two-minute acceptance speech. You know, he gets up there and he's like doing his thing. That's and awesome, actually. he's talking about surrealism in the theater. You know what? How... That's not, what is this award? This sounds great. Yeah, no, it was really great. And so his I point, I, I won't try to do the Nicolas Cage thing for the entire bit, but... Um, <laughs> I won't stop you. His point was, uh, he was sort of like uh, captivated as a young actor by surrealism. And... As he was making his way up in Hollywood, like at a certain point, surrealism became like, no, he's just overacting. He's a ham actor. Right. This is bad. Right. And he kind of went on to say, like, you don't have to settle for this. And maybe you're, you're a surrealist, maybe you're not. But this idea that, like, no, you actually just have to, like, pretend to be not an actor is not really art and is really limiting to art. And well, we've gone this past should be that. a place where you can go beyond yeah, like kind we, of ordinary behavior. I, yeah, I mean, if you look at the history of cinema and the history of acting, like once they did, um, um, you know, ultra realism and uh, method acting and- um, Mumblecore, remember oh that? Oh my God, yeah. that, right. That right. was a thing. That's a thing. Um, you, I, there, he's not wrong. Like you should be able to go back to and beyond magical realism and things like that. That's another reason why I was so shocked and impressed by that show, The Curse, um, for such a mainstream thing to do something like that must have just confused most of their audience and to know that and still do not it. Not a bad thing yeah. every once in a while to yeah. confuse the audience. I, I'm a huge fan of confusing the audience. I'm a huge fan of confusing my followers, in fact. Um, I really like doing that. But um, Well, let's talk about this production company. Sure. What are you doing? What are you producing? Uh, well, we've Documentary got, only? No, we have one scripted uh, movie that is in the works, but as people may or may not know, that takes a lot longer to develop than a documentary. Um, the reason that I've done documentaries mostly in the past is because they're very cut and dry. Yeah. You know, they are what they are, and you just do them properly, put them out, and um, if you know your topic well enough, there's no reason why you can't make a compelling, nearly narrative feeling. I mean, that's my thing is mm -hmm. that, like, 
I don't want to make documentaries that feel like documentaries. Um, I want them to feel like narrative movies. Yeah, and that's what Plot Against the President was. That's why it worked. and had like yeah. that sort of, you know, it, was, it, was, it had characters and they were doing things. Yeah. And it wasn't just sort of like uh, Here's know, a document. An explainer. Yeah, an explainer that could have been a video. Yeah. I mean, that's my problem with a lot of conservative, if you want to use that word, or whatever, dissident, right-wing, whatever word you want to use, not straight mainstream Hollywood um, content, is most of it could be a video. And there's a difference between videos and movies. Absolutely. And I'm committed to movies. So, um, you know, that may mean that it takes longer to develop these than, you know, putting one out every year. Uh, I don't I don't really ascribe to that. Um, I'm not going to make a movie just because it's been two years and that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm oh, going I'm sure to do people it. are like, no, you got to just do another part yeah, against like, the president. Well, eh, yes, yes, there are. There is a demand for that. And Back to Trump ball. That actually may be one of our, I mean, it's not, I'm not going to make the same movie twice. I just refuse. I mean, yeah. that would be ridiculous. But there is so much that has happened since that movie came out. And to tell the story in the way that we told it, I think, would be beneficial because um, the average person, again, cannot follow this story. Like you have, you'd have to have no job or no nothing, do nothing else but follow this. So there is a need to actually distill down everything that's happened into a ninety-minute, you know, concise yeah. and exciting piece. No, you got to so, help the people to escape the fate of being a pass-through for content. Right, and that. So I do still feel a responsibility to do that, and I think that that's one of the things that we're going to be doing. Yeah. Um, and well, with Trump, it's never the same story twice. That's what's so exciting is that actually with him, it's always great. So I, he is no lack of a content inspirer. Um, so that, that's actually pretty cool. And that's one of the ones that we're talking about and, um, potentially will actually be happening extremely soon. Ooh. Um, but, uh, we also have another one, um, that I can't really talk about, but it's with someone that everyone likes and it's very exciting and very cool. And it's Taylor Swift. It's not it's another, Taylor Swift. Capitalizing on the success it's of It's not Eras. Taylor no. Swift, but it's, um, it's, um, going to be fairly controversial, which is always fun for me. Um, and um, that the the other thing, like I said, I mean, really, I'm excited about uh, still getting this McAfee project um, off the ground, which is like kind of a half Hollywood, half independent um, mm -hmm. situation. And that's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit more complicated to um, put those worlds together um, business wise. But that's what we're good at, and that's what we're going to be doing. John McAfee, um, just one of those kind of quintessential crazy American It's people. just such an absolutely alluring character. And um, Mark Eglinton's book that we have mm -hmm. uh, optioned is just the so— The John McAfee tapes? Yeah, right. the tapes. It's just really, really exciting. So I think that that's, like, you know, definitely up there. And then the— um, Sorry, was he assassinated? I am going to withhold what I think. For the movie. For the movie. Because Fair. I have a very weird opinion oh, on the whole thing. Okay, good. Um, I'm not going to shove my opinion on the project because that's not what it's about. It's about the evidence and it's about what, you know, it's about him telling his story, which is the only place that this exists, right? Mm -hmm. It's the, his tapes. Um, but I'm not going to... My opinion will be apparent, but it's not about me. I, I hate these documentaries where, like, the director is in them. And that's like their opinion. I'm like, the real story. Like who the is the crap? What I think. Sorry, can I say that on here? Like what? Like it's not about me. Like I like like I don't even know how I ended up being an authority on anything. You know, yeah. I would rather just like tell the story and absolutely make sure that it's an indisputable, perfect telling of the story. So well, um, I do sort of fear that. Uh, documentaries are kind of the low-hanging fruit, and so there's like a just it, we're just going to burn ourselves out. On it is, that's why As we're moving into right. We're moving into scripted because mm -hmm. that's really where I want to be, and I mean that's what I studied at school, yeah. and that's the world I come from. That's where I worked. That's where my parents worked. That's the world that I'm in. So I'm much more comfortable in scripted, um, and it'll be very nice to be back in that world. Um, and I, it really doesn't cost you insane money if the talent is there. 
Right. Talent does if, go a long way. If the talent is there, if the writing is there, I mean, yeah. obviously I have to be, I'm a, you know, really honor the writing um, and the story based on obviously just respecting my dad's work and coming from that point of view. I think that's really the birth of everything. It's got to be a perfect story. Um, and I think we have that. And um, I can I can tell you it's about the Afghanistan war. And it's very it's interesting because it's like, you know, my dad would always talk about ap Apocalypse Now as being like this psychedelic um, war movie. And at the time, that's what it was. And at one point it was even called The Psychedelic Soldier. And wow. it's weird that that I end up I don't do this on purpose. I swear I'm not trying to like recreate my dad's career in my own mind. Um, but that's actually where this story is going. It's a very psychedelic Afghanistan war movie. The Land of Poppies. If I can share that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, but right. yeah, so that's kind of what we're busy doing. Yeah, that's good stuff. Stick with the scripted. People, I think they, they have a latent hunger and they're starting to doubt that it'll ever be good enough to make right. them stand up and cheer, but, well, but you can prove they're wrong. The documentary thing, you I, I wanna speak to what you said, which is that it's low hanging fruit, because even though like, it's hard for me to say this as someone who like made my uh, name on a documentary and I do continue to make documentaries. It can still be tasty. But it's, low hanging fruit can still be tasty, <laughs> but um, it is, and it's like, you know what happens is people get really into a topic or an, uh, an, an angle, an agenda, and they'll be like, this belief, this deserves to be a movie. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, your just like finite political opinion doesn't need to be a whole movie. Like this could be an email is is not something you should be able to say after an after a movie. And yeah. like a lot of conservative movies, I watch them and I'm like, this this could have been an email. It's not a story, it's a feeling. It's, it's many such cases. Many such cases. All right, uh, we got a few minutes here. I want to zoom all the way out and say uh, and say this. Donald Trump, obviously a huge character, maybe the biggest in America, but still not bigger than America itself. So let's talk about America's image in the world. America, the character in the reality TV series of Planet Earth. How oh my. Um, break out the popcorn, break out the Kleenex. Where are we? I would break out the Kleenex. I mean, it's pretty bad. Um, I could be traditional in my assessment, and as somebody who worked at State Department and is very, um, uh, as a weird hobby, interested in foreign policy, I'm not one of these that's people that's- a very weird hobby. But I'd like to say it, it's a hobby. I'm not gonna be one of these people that runs around and is like, I'm a foreign policy expert. Like, listen, to, like, catch me on blah, 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 why I dissect something I don't know anything about. Um, which I just keep seeing so much and it's really detrimental because it veers people's audiences into just stupid territory. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Um, one of the things that always drove me nuts working in the Trump administration is I, know, I don't think we ever made the argument well enough that the Trump movement was the anti-war wing of the right, if mm -hmm. you could call it that. And that is such an appealing um, point of view and, and, and thing to be that it drove me nuts as a communications person that we didn't make that point enough. I mean, we, we did certainly cover immigration as being um, the top issue, and it still is the top issue. And I still think that's the horse we rode in on, and it's the horse we will ride in on again. And we have to. And that's what happened, in, I mean, amongst everything that went wrong in 2020, immigration took a back seat, and that's a disaster for the Trump world. Yeah. It has to be in the front seat. Well, every day in the content farm, you hear, we can't afford to be anti-war. We can't afford to be anti-immigration. There are enemies in the world. We can't population's afford to be crashing pro and, yeah. either of those things. I mean, that's just an insane point of view. Well, I mean, I, mean, that's, I, I agree with you, but that's the case that needs to be made. Yeah, and, and it is ridiculous that there aren't more communications wizards, you know, like Stephen Miller's, um, like people like that who can make that argument um, digestible to the American people that that's what we need. We need an anti-war wing of the right. There's a great deal of space between funding the Iranian regime and um, going to war with the Iranian regime. Like, it's not one or the other. And I think there's a lot that gets lost in there. And um, it's, it's not even that nuanced. It's just the middle. 
and um, you know you don't you, you start out by not funding them, um, and uh, it's it's a it's a bit of a mistake to think that we can go full isolationist, but at the same time, I certainly feel for people that are feeling that way because uh, the we're I mean we're in like a multi front war basically as we speak. And it's a disaster, and it's of no value to the United States, um, not any of them. Um, so even being like, as I obviously am known to be, a, as I call myself, a Zionist extremist, I don't support uh, America's meddling in Israel's affairs, um, whether that comes in the form of funding. Um, I certainly don't support any like boots on the ground I think Israel can take care of itself if it were let off the leash. And it's a it's a fine point that I try to make, you know, this is a is a big argument with people that I'm usually on the same page as. I mean, I'm very against the Ukraine uh involvement in any sense. I mean, it's absolutely obviously what they were after and why they wanted the Trump administration gone so badly. Um because of the, you know, uh uh, the money laundering uh, machine that is Ukraine. I mean, that's basically what it is as a country. And um, the fact that the Israel situation gets, m you know, molded in with that uh, just because of the timing is incorrect. We do actually have enemies in the world. Um, there is China. There is Iran. There are these problems. Um, they're not the same as this nonsense of Russia. And um, I, I just there's just a hair of nuance would be great um, because it's it's not all the same. And I don't think most Americans that are are are, you know, supporting the idea of complete isolationism are prepared for what it's going to be like to not be a superpower. In a sense, it's a very spoiled position. It's similar to this position of the left. Um, and it's like, uh, I really don't think either they haven't traveled enough or, um, you know, they haven't, uh, they haven't thought about what it's like, what it would be like. We've, we've, our whole generation has existed in a period of time where the United States can flip a switch and foreign policy will, will change. Yeah. Um, to not be able to do that is still as corrupt as the United States is and as bad as the regime is. And as much as I absolutely believe in that, um, it's, it's, you don't want the regime to be China. Like, that will suck more, I can promise. Like, if I can just put it in really basic terms um, and, and things like that. So I, I just, yeah, I guess I argue for nuance. Um, but uh, at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, it's the American story on the world stage is absolutely terrible right now. Um, we look ridiculous. We look like we can't do anything. And it's, I mean, I'm shocked it's taken this long because our, uh, our elites, our regime that we are forced to live under has been inept for a very long time. Um, I'm of that opinion that the regime is extremely inept, not that it's this great and powerful thing that is able to control our daily lives and all of this. It's just a, it's just a massive uh, collection of bureaucratic uh, morons. And that has been exposed on the world stage very much in the last like five months at least, if not since the Afghanistan withdrawal. Yeah, well, that, that nuance that we're searching for, I think middle America is ready for uh, a rediscovery of the middle and one way or the other, no matter what happens, I will be watching and I know they will be too. Amanda Milius, thank you so much. That's all the time we've got today. Zeros across the screen. Thank you for coming, Amanda. Watch your documentary once again if you haven't already. Uh, plot Against the President. Until next time, I am James Polis. This is Zero Hour and may God have mercy on us all.